For my ally is the Force. And a powerful ally it is. Life creates it. Makes it grow. Its energy surrounds us and binds us. Luminous beings are we, not this crude matter. You must feel the force around you. Here, between you, me, the tree, the rock, everywhere. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. Don't know the power of the dark side. If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. I got a bad feeling about this. Welcome to episode 167 of Blue Harvest. I'm your host, Hollis Burkhart. I'm your host, Will Witten. And guys, we're here. We're going to talk about some Star Wars, some happenings in Star Wars. Uh, you can bet there might be a tangent or two. It happens all the time now, it seems. Not a ton to talk about this week, but maybe a couple of interesting things. Maybe some stuff that hints at a possible direction that they could go with Star Wars in the future, as at least as it pertains to uh, this fancy new Disney streaming service that we're going to be getting next year. And a little bit of chatter from the big man on campus himself, Bobbert Iger. Uh who sort of addressed the whole solo situation and and stuff. But, before we get to all of that, let me give you guys a dub business. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com. You can email us at blueharvestpodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter, Twitch, and Instagram at blueharvestpod. We have a Patreon now, and it's going strong couple of months in now putting out all kinds of content blue harvest adventures jaws cooking with will oh no it's hall solo the prequel steve versus the prequels which has a new episode coming out very soon uh in the next couple of weeks it's been recorded i've just been uh going through and slowly editing editing it it's it's a long one guys it's like two hours so um just you know doing the work getting that ready slowly but surely but we're going to keep the special content train going. If you're interested in checking that out, check us out at patreon.com slash blueharvestpodcast. <clears throat> a little bit of extra special business. There's a new podcast on the scene that you guys need to check out. It's by my lovely fiance, Jesse McGarity, and friend of the show, Rebecca O'Hanlon. They started a spooky podcast called You're Creepy. 
Uh, it's on iTunes and Google Play right now. It'll be coming to Spotify uh, in the next few weeks. You have to have so many episodes posted before they'll let you uh, jump on Spotify. But you guys should check it out. And also, uh, be on the lookout. We're going to be doing a very, very special giveaway in the next week or so. Where maybe you guys can uh, win some fancy new Blue Harvest stickers and a t-shirt. And uh, we'll fill you guys in on how to do that very shortly. <clears throat> hey, Will. Hey. You know what's better than uh, than just talking about Star Wars? I mean, the only thing I could think is like being in Star Wars. Well, that or having a bunch of good damn ass friends to talk about Star Wars with. And that's you know true. What? When you tune in to one of the podcasts on the Making Star Wars Podcast Network, that's exactly what, what you're doing. Hanging out with some friends, debating, having a friendly chat about Star Wars. And might I add that we are so proud to be part of the best Jean-Claude Van Damme-ass podcast network in the entire galaxy, the Making Star Wars Podcast Network, where you can hear other podcasts such as Now This Is Podcasting, Steel Wars, Rebel Girl, The Sith List, Rogue One, a Star Wars podcast for winners, Podcast 2187, Idiot's Array, Tarkin's Top Shelf, First Order Transmissions, and The Cargo Hold. <coughs> Boom shakalaka, he's on fire. Boom. <coughs> so got, got, got a little business out of the way. And guys, <coughs> we have an amazing new design that our buddy Evan DeCellis did for us. It's the Kia D Bros art design. If you look down at your podcatcher, you're probably seeing it as our cover image right now. It is so great. He surprised me with this on Sunday, I think, Saturday or Sunday. And um, we put it up on the T Public store for just a little bit. I took it down because we might be going a different route with the t shirts. We like this design so much that I really want to knock this one as out of the park as far as the t-shirts and stuff. I'll be putting it back up on the tee public um, so you guys can do mugs and things like that if you're interested. And then um, once I finish figuring out this whole t-shirt thing, we'll either put it back up or there'll be an alternate way for you guys to get your hands on one. Uh, but in the meantime, I got a whole bunch of stickers of the design in this week. And they look so good. They're a little smaller than what I uh, had hoped for. That's the second time that I've done that, that I've printed up stickers and been like, oh, I wish they were a little bigger. Uh, in retrospect, the first Blue Harvest stickers I did, the square ones, those actually turned out to be a pretty good size. Yeah. Um, I'd like these Kia D stickers to maybe be a, a bit, uh, like maybe an inch uh, taller and an in inch wider. Like CD case? <clears throat> Not that big. That'd be a huge mm. sticker. These are like... It'd be kick-ass. Yeah, that would be a huge-ass sticker in the size of a CD case. What would Dude. be cool is if we got them printed up the size of an actual old Nintendo game oh, box. Oh, shit. Since that's what the design is. The cartridge. <sighs> you know how people do... Um, Maybe you're not aware of this, but you know how people do ROM hacks of old Nintendo games where they go in and sort of reprogram it, re 
re uh you know mess it around it. Yeah, yeah well yeah you know change it around and then make sort of a custom game out of it i wonder if we know anybody talented enough to do that for like super mario brothers 3 but all they'd really have to do is change mario to kia d and if they did that oh dude i would look into getting a small run of now this is this is fucking pie in the sky you need a lawyer because Nintendo will sue your balls to the wall. Oh, dude, I'm not going to lie. I'm a little worried. Like, Nintendo is famously litigious when it comes to yeah. stuff like this. So, I'm not going to lie. I would not. I, I've been kind of expecting a, a notice from. You know, I honestly, if we're being completely straight up with everybody, I don't think we're big enough to catch Nintendo's eye. You know what I'm saying? Right. And I also but think. But I mean, that if it, we do, it's one of those things where, you, you, you know. If you want one, go on, because it'll be a limited time, well, limited not... <laughs> edition. You know, people people sell that stuff all the time. Custom Nintendo games and things like that. They do that all the time. That's, I mean, you can get online right now and buy all kinds of um, fan-made Nintendo games on cartridge or ROM hack um, games on, cartner, on, on uh, cartridge and stuff. <laughs> so... You know, it is a thing that happens. The The pie in the sky part is, is I don't know how many people would really be interested in a fucking ROM hack version of Super Mario 3 with Kia D instead of Mario. But man, would would that just make me happy to... I mean, I mean that, that hits you in the sweet spot. I mean, you're the guy. Yeah. You're that I'm guy. I'm sitting here thinking like, you know what I could do though is get on like eBay or AliExpress and order some... Like you can buy Nintendo... Like, empty blank nintendo cartridges right mm -hmm. for the purpose of you know rom hacks and homebrew games and stuff just to please myself i might order one of those and make myself a kia d bros 3 cartridge i would have to figure out the exact dimensions of a nintendo label but uh yeah yeah i think i might do that just to fucking I don't know, man. I I work all the time. I need something to do. Give me a giggle here and there. <clears throat> but uh, yeah, we got some stickers in. We're going to be offering... Um, so originally, I was going to save the bulk of these stickers as part of our uh, Patreon rewards for like the $5 and up tiers. Because, you know, we every six months we're going to you know send out stickers and shirts and whatnot. Right. They're a little small, so I kind of figured like... If we're going to do it for the Patreons, I might go ahead and get some bigger ones made. You know, just because I want to show them our appreciation for being so kick-ass and being part of our Patreon. Um, so I think uh, what we're going to do with this is do some special giveaways. Like I said, you'll be able to win some through following um, your creepy. Go ahead and subscribe to them. There's going to be an episode coming up where uh, you're going to have a chance to win some stickers and a shirt. So... And then we'll think of think of some creative stuff to to get these in people's hands. I I got like a hundred of them printed up, so I don't have a ton ton, but enough to do a, a couple of cool giveaways and make sure people people can get some. I got one on my computer right here. Looks badass. <coughs> Anyways, uh, yeah, yeah. That's like I was so excited about this design, right? And got it up on our our. Uh, podcast feed got immediately ordered stickers all that stuff and then i was like oh man nintendo likes to sue folks 
You'd get a cease and desist letter before they sued you. Oh yeah, I don't think I'm not worried about like having to go to court, but they 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 definitely like to uh, keep a lockdown on their IP, you know. Oh yeah. <clears throat> but it's such a good design. Like we just need that one Nintendo Star Wars fan to see it and be like, oh, that's funny. Just let them do it. They're not making money off it, which we're not. You know what I'm saying? It's not like I'm. Well, hey, I'm talking about selling t-shirts and fucking repro games. Back. Um, so you want to talk about a little Star Wars? Well, before we do that, how's your week been, buddy? What you been up to? Not a lot. Same old, same old. You been doing any fancy cooking? No, not really. No fancy cooking this week. I hear you. Jesse and I, um, you know me. I'm not much of a fancy cooker myself. We did have a pretty excellent meal this way a week, which was uh, stuffed Italian sausage. Oh wow! It was real good. Sounds delicious. It was real good. Uh, stuffed with mozzarella and stuff. Ooh, ooh, pretty good. And you know, because of this odd diet I'm on, like that's it's something that's allowed. They're like, "Fuck yeah, eat a sausage stuffed with cheese." Mm-hmm. That's totally allowed, my dude. I was like, you know, it's <laughs> not allowed. No fruit, no, no fruit. sucra. <clears throat> I can't even tell you what fucking fruit tastes like. I, I'm, and I'm. That's a joke, but I literally couldn't tell you the last time I had a piece of fruit. I don't think I've had a piece of fruit in the year 2018 because of this diet. And then when I cheat on the diet, it's not like ooh, it's I'm not gonna, fruit. I'm gonna go buy <laughs> a strawberry. No, no, it's like ooh, I'm gonna go buy French fries, tacos. Oh. Speaking of strawberries, have you heard about this shit going on? Shout out to our friends in Australia. The dude putting the pins in the strawberries. Holy fuck, I saw a news story about people finding needles and strawberries and shit. I think it was a kid they arrested for it, from what I understand. I don't think he was responsible for all of them. I think he was sort of a... I don't know the full story, so I could be wrong, but I think he was sort of copy being a copycat from the original news story. Interesting. Um, but, like, apparently the the Australian strawberry market is in serious danger. And there's, like, Twitter posts of nervous Australian po- politicians, like, gingerly eating a strawberry to be like, it's okay, guys. <laughs> Sweating the whole time they're doing it. <laughs> and they're fucking, they're running strawberries through metal detectors and x-rays, x-ray machines and stuff. Oh, yeah, because... Irradiate my strawberries for me. You become the amazing strawberry man. But that would be my luck. Instead of being Spider-Man, I eat an irradiated strawberry and I get all the superpowers of a strawberry. (laughs) I mean, you just tell you tell people you got to cut it, cut strawberries up. You got to cut them up. You're looking for razor blades or what? You know, pens. You know. It reminds me of uh, the fucking uh, tainted Halloween candy scare from when I was a kid. Dude, I I don't know what happened in the eighties. Somebody put razor blades in candy or an apple or something. You know what? Every parent in the eighties thought that people were giving out razor blade candy, and your candy had to be inspected before you could eat it. You know what's fucked up is I watched a YouTube story or YouTube video on sort of the history of that, right? Of of where that all came from, and apparently. There's, oh, I remember. I think I remember this now. It's really sad. Yeah, apparently there wasn't necessarily. That was never the actual story. That kids went out trick or treating, and some 
evil person gave them poisoned candy or an apple with a razor blade in it. Apparently, the story goes like the kids came back and the father poisoned their candy. Yeah. Their own yeah, father they, did. Yeah, right? and they died. And that's where sort of that's the whole urban from. legend, not urban legend, but you know, like scare came from. Because when I was a kid, I remember like we never did it. My parents were never really worried about it. But um, you could go to like maybe the church or the police department and have your candy x-ray do you remember people doing that like no on halloween night they'd have like a special place you could go to to have your stuff inspected if you worried that you were going to get fucking tainted candy or apples i never got an apple for halloween like i never went trick-or-treating you never got boxes of raisins oh i definitely got boxes of raisins i got uh like uh there was a lady that used to give out erasers i got erasers yep i remember um the non-candy ones, the non-edible ones are the worst. I don't know why, but you, it, there's something about your kid mind thinks, thinking you're going to get candy, at the very least you got an apple or whatever, you know. But like when they and you give me an eraser or a little compass or like some stupid game ring. with balls in it. Spider ring, little yeah. black spider, spider ring. ring. Those things, I fucking hate those things. It's like I... trick or treat to me. That was the trick. <laughs> Okay, like that, you you got me with the trick. I wanted the treat. Because I always, you know, I hate spiders. And for some reason, I would always freak myself out, dig into the fucking bag of candy and pull one of those out and think for a split second as a kid, think it was a real spider and freak myself out real bad. Happened all the time. I can remember multiple times of that happening. So fuck those black plastic spider rings. What's the best thing you ever went as for Halloween? excuse me i dude i've had some kick-ass halloween costumes i don't know that i can give you a best i can give you top three maybe i was a really good ninja when i was a kid i was a ninja one year and i like i put red paint on one eye so it looked like i had a scar over one eye damn you know you really went all out i was just t-shirt on the face i was in the full-on like walmart ninja costume Oh yeah, I mean that's what it was. Plus my own embellishments is nice. You know, um, um, all right, so ninja. We both did ninja. I the easy one to go to school was a vampire. You just put on your leather jacket, you wipe your face out, put the dark black under your eyes, and some blood on the side with some teeth. I, that was uh, easiest to do at school. I definitely went as a vampire, but I went as like <laughs> Bella Lugosi, oh, fucking Jesus. big cape, full on. My cousin Courtney did my makeup blew it out of the water like it looked like yeah <laughs> it looked real crazy see the thing is is at my school you really didn't come dressed for halloween you know what i'm saying it was always a uh, to go trick-or-treating um one year it was probably when would you say you stopped going trick-or-treating oh 12 or 13 maybe so what grade would that put you in i don't know seventh or eighth Maybe ninth grade. So the last year I remember going trick or treating, I think was eighth grade. Right. And I went as Freddy Krueger. I did that a few times. Um, I never got real creative with my uh, Halloween costumes. It was always like Ninja, Freddy Krueger, uh, vampire. You know what I'm saying? Like I had some hits. I I, I circled back around to a couple of them. Really wanted to go uh, as a Power Ranger in like fourth or fifth grade, but we couldn't find the costume anywhere. Yeah. Um, when is Freddy Krueger? My mom actually got like 
the actual liquid. I feel like we've talked about this super recently. I don't think so. This is new to me. So we actually like got like the liquid latex makeup that you put on your face and it hardens and it looks kind of like, like burn. You know what I'm saying? Taking it, taking it all the way. Yeah. And Courtney painted that shit up like Freddy Krueger. Dude, not going to lie. I looked pretty dope. Uh, I had like the plastic replica glove full on when it, right. And we go to my aunt and uncle's neighborhood. That's where a lot of times we'd go over there to trick or treat. And I didn't know that my eighth grade teacher lived a street over from Miss Fairchild. So we rock up. And, you know, I, like I've said before, I went to a fairly religious school. They weren't big fans of Freddy Krueger. And she right. came to the door and she was like, oh, my goodness, Halls, look at you. Freddy Krueger, super nice about it. She's one of my favorite teachers, Miss Fairchild, Fairchild. Yeah. <clears throat> Next day at school. She comes in and she goes, well, how's everybody's Halloween? Well, somebody in here came to my house and was the best looking Freddy Krueger I've ever seen. And everybody, and like, she didn't directly throw me under the bus, but everybody knew like that Hall's kid is super obsessed with Freddy Krueger. That had to be him. (laughs) So that was probably my best. The time we went to uh, the, the Stone Cobra show as Cheech and Chong was pretty good. Yeah, that uh, Cheech and Chong was really good for us. That yeah. was we uh, we pulled that off really well. I went as uh, a, a Starfleet officer one year. Nice with a jumpsuit and my my insignia. You also went as Han Solo. That was and that was going to be my number one I, homemade Han Solo costume. I have never put so much effort into a costume. Dude, I stayed up till like four in the morning helping you with that, and that's not that long ago. That's been within no. the last. 10, Ten years. years, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I put uh I You did the I stripes on pants. the pants. I put, like, the set, I put the pair of stripes on down the side of the pants. I had a set of, set of like mud boots, you know, that I think I used. And uh I made a pistol. I got like a pistol from the kids department, like a little cap gun, and I took these long uh wash uh re- uh socket wrench. Uh, attachments and I put them on it to make it look like a blaster. Yeah. And then I painted the whole thing. And I had the shirt, the vest, and I swooped my hair back. Fucking pulled it off, dude. I didn't. Nobody knew I was Han Solo. They saw it when I said it. But you know, you got a good costume when some people come up and they're like, "Hey, Han Solo!" Like, <laughs> yeah, you they, nailed it. I've never really done a Star Wars costume, but uh, yeah. I don't know what I would have that done. That wasn't very good. I mean, that was for work, too. Like, that was just for myself. Yeah, work I when we went to a show. Fun. Yeah. I had more fun with the blaster, really. Yeah. Carrying that around all night than anything else. <clears throat> so you want to talk a little Star Wars news? Yes. So, like I said, um, not a, a ton to talk about this week, but a couple of interesting things. Uh, did you hear... About this rumor going around about Marvel and um, what they're going to be doing on the Disney streaming service. What's the rumor? So it broke on Tuesday. I believe it was the Hollywood Reporter. Maybe Variety. I always get those two mixed up. I think it was Hollywood Reporter. Um, Broke the news that um, 
apparently they're going to be doing some Marvel Universe limited series. Like, um, yeah, lim- like, like, is that what I'm thinking of? A limited series? Yeah, a limited exclusive series for the Disney streaming yes. services. I think I saw this. The Scarlet Witch and... Loki. Loki, yeah. Yeah, and not just that. They're going to be getting the original actors, the actors from the movies, to play those roles, which... I mean, you have to. Right, but, you know, well, you could do, like, a young Loki. You know what I'm saying? And get away I mean, with yeah. recasting. But who would really... I mean, I guess there'd be people I mean, who would want the that. selling point is that it's Tom... Mm-hmm. Wasn't it? Hiddleston? And the interesting thing about it really is, you know, not only did they get the original actors, but this is not... So, you know, a lot of people get confused with how Marvel works. Like, Marvel Studios that does the movies is separate from Marvel TV that does, like, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Daredevil, etc., etc. That's why those things don't cross over nearly as much as they could, and some Mm -hmm. would say should, me included, um, is because they're kind of separate parts of the same entity like the tv shows will reference things that happens in the movies and and be affected by or affect the movies in some small ways but they don't do full-on crossovers but that's because they're headed by a completely different part department with different you know creatives and executives and stuff but these series that are coming to the netflix not netflix the disney streaming service are being headed by kevin feige who heads up the you know cinematic Marvel stuff. Mm. So that's a big deal too. <clears throat> um, and of course, anytime, and it's, it's only natural, anytime you see a big announcement like this for Marvel, you get sort of the, well, what could that mean for Star Wars? You know, blowback. Not blowback, but like, you know, because they're both owned by Disney, naturally people are going to be like, well, what if they apply that same principle to Star Wars? And we know we're getting um, the John Favreau, possibly Mandalorian show, um, and that should be coming within the next couple of years. Uh, but I'm definitely of the thought that that's not the only Star Wars we're going to be getting on this streaming service. You know, we already know we're getting the Clone Wars, the last season of the Clone Wars. Um, and the thing about the John Favreau show is, you know, they've said it's all new characters. Now, will that be 100% the case? I don't think so. I think if they have the opportunity to bring in some established characters in some way, they will. But I think the focus will be on new characters, right? It's going to have to be. But the question question for me is, is would it be a possibility for us to start getting some... um, limited series like the so apparently these marvel shows are going to be eight episodes so you know not super long that seems about right for a mini series that's what i'm the word i've been looking for mini series there you go so it does raise the question could we get some you know a specific character based mini series set in the star wars universe um could that even be like maybe that's how they continue the the young han solo story I'd be cool with that. If that's how, what it takes for us to get some continuation of like young Hondo, young Hondo, young Lando and Han and Chewie uh, and, and um, uh, Kira like hanging out, you know, continuing that story. Cause clearly they wanted to, clearly they intended to, 
I'd be down with that, man. Eight episode miniseries? Fuck yeah. Um, you know what? It's becoming clearer and clearer that the Boba Fett movie just isn't going to happen. Boba Fett miniseries. Totally fine with it. If that's the way, if that's the way to me getting a Boba Fett experience, sign me up. I still love the idea. On the Batman anime, there's a story where these kids each had an experience with Batman and it's they each tell the story and then Batman is described several different you know, mm-hmm. very different ways in that's, that animation. That's the one that starts off that whole thing, isn't it? I think so. I think so. I think it's Gotham Knight or something like that. Yeah, that's the name. It, it It's a, a series of short Batman stories done just the same way as, uh, what was it, Enter the Matrix? Or the, you remember they did an animated Matrix anthology and they also did... Yeah, they uh, Enter the Matrix. They did a Halo one. They did a Halo one. It's It's the exact same thing where they get a bunch of different animation companies to produce, what would you say, maybe 15 to 20 minute shorts yeah and they do like five or six of them some of them are real trippy some of them are real Mm -hmm. action-packed you know it just depends you know it's totally different and uh the cool thing about that episode was seeing the different stories of batman you know i want to see that with boba fett i want to see this table of card players like half playing cards you know each telling a boba fett story and like having that you know animated or shot Fuck you yeah, know, in the dude. crazy different perspectives of how they encountered Boba Fett and what he did, you know. You know, they they kind of did that, not in video form. Uh, leading up to The Last Jedi, there was a book called The Legends of Luke Skywalker that was sort of a young adult or younger reader's book. Um, but apparently, I, I you know, I read it, but it's it's been a little while. I can't really remember a lot of the details. But it's it's that. It's people talking about all the different legends of Luke Skywalker they heard. And oh, cool. some of them are, you know, very grounded and sort of in line with the movies. And then some of them have him like flying around in the air, taking out star destroyers and shit like, yeah. And they're real crazy over the top. So <clears throat> they kind of did that. But to see that in, you know, a mini series, that would be badass. Be it Boba Fett. And, there's so much that they could do with that and so many cool sort of ancillary Star Wars characters that they could really do cool little miniseries. And like the idea of getting the original actors where available to come back, uh, I would be so down. You know what I mean? Yeah. Fucking, that could be real cool. And, you know, that also means you know they, the thing is is like those marvel ones they're going to be high budget they already said they're going to have a high budget but you're not talking infinity war budget you're not talking star wars budget you're talking high for you know a mini series because right. i think the estimate that came out for the star wars live action show was um a hundred million for the first season which fuck that's a lot of money but that's about half of what they spend making a movie. You know what I'm saying? And that's a two-hour movie versus, you know, say, ten hours of TV. <clears throat> but I think it's an exciting prospect nonetheless. And, and like, the thing, you know, thing that I would see, say separates it from uh, the John Favreau thing is the possibility of them focusing on certain characters with, when available, the original actors and the original talent 
coming to play them. Um, is there any come that comes to mind that you'd like to see? Like, I can think of so many that would be cool to see. I mean, if they're not going to give me an Obi-Wan movie, they could do that for me at the very least. And you know what? I honestly wonder if that's not necessarily outside of the realm of possibility. I could see that happening. Like, Ewan McGregor is not opposed to TV work. He's been on Fargo recently. Which he got a lot of acclaim for. Yeah, which is essentially a miniseries. Each season, from what I understand, is like sort of its own self-contained story. So... How is that different than doing that for Star Wars? Like an eight-episode Obi-Wan show? Miniseries? Fuck yeah. I mean, that would be fucking awesome. Yeah, and like... It's longer than a movie. If they're at the very least 45 minutes a piece. Oh yeah, it's it's way longer than a movie. And you know what? Like, in that case, if it's totally set on, you know, uh, Tatooine and you don't have to worry about changing locations, like, I imagine that saves you quite a bit on budget, you know? That almost seems like a perfect fit for that concept. In my mind, fuck yeah, give me an eight-episode Obi-Wan miniseries. That'd be dope. I'd love... Now, this would be a, a a situation where you probably would have to recast, but a a young Obi-Wan and a young Qui-Gon together movie. Oh, that would be great. Of course you'd have to recast. Fucking that would be great, dude. A young Yoda and young Dooku movie. You know what I'm saying? Like, Yoda was Dooku's master, correct? Yeah. Uh, I don't know about young Yoda. Yoda, yeah. I don't know that they touch again, dude. I mean... See, this is the thing. <laughs> I know there were plans for a Yoda movie, but I really don't know that well, they're ever going to do that now. We don't know how how true that there were quote-unquote plans for a Yoda movie. It's one of those things we heard rumors about, but uh, I was on Steel's hyper chat with him this evening. Um, yeah. his live YouTube show. And we were kind of talking, I kind of brought up like with this, um, Scarlet Witch Loki thing with, you know, James Mangold is going to direct the Boba Fett movie, et cetera, et cetera. I think a lot of times, and I'm guilty of it sometimes myself too. Um, Star Wars fans hear these rumors or these, um, you know, pretty concrete pieces of information. It's not like these are coming from, dickbag YouTubers looking for clicks. These are coming from pretty reputable sources, whether it be Hollywood Reporter, whether it be Variety. You know what I mean? Yeah. And we take that as gospel. So you still see people talking about like, well, James Mangold is going to direct the Boba Fett movie. And he very well could. I'm just trying to be realistic here. If it's not announced by Marvel and it's not announced by or by Lucasfilm. It's not official yet, so you can't count on it. You know what I mean? <clears throat> and yeah. that's sort of how that goes. You know, like you got to be real careful about taking these, you know, well intended, well researched, well, you know, uh, you know, probably there's some truth to all these things we hear, but until it's announced, it's not a done deal. So that means. You can't count on it yet. Um, yeah, I. as far as Yoda goes, I agree with you. Yeah, and like, the thing is, is with Yoda, I, I get caught in this weird thing where, to me, like, part of the thing about Yoda is that he's got a thousand years that's kind of mysterious, you know? 
We he's don't know. So wise. Yeah, he's we so don't. Knowledgeable. We don't know like what his race is or really much of his background if you think about it and i could be wrong about this as far as like comics and book stuff go because i'm not 100 percent up on all that but like if you think about what's the oldest piece of information we have about yoda it's as far as i can think is that he was dooku's master and dooku was his uh his padawan right right and that's a small chunk of yoda's time being alive so uh i wonder if um exploring too much of his distant past sort of takes the cool out of it and i know that's weird to say because sometimes that's exactly what i was gonna say do you really want to see a less mysterious yoda do you want to see a less powerful yoda do you really want to see a less wise yoda well you know so, on one hand, I 100% agree, and I can see why myself and other people would be like, no, I don't want that. But then on the other hand, like, it could be cool, you know, like, seeing the sort of progression and how Yoda got to that point. But you want to know what my one thing about a young, quote-unquote, Yoda movie is that would kind of make me leery? Uh, would be designing the look of a young yoda that's the thing that's the trap is what it i'm is. talking about because, because look at can't... that <laughs> that puppet yoda and the phantom menace which you know i think they were trying to make him look younger and it just they were it and it made work. him look like he was a sesame street character like it broke reality it didn't seem real there was the just... puppet they used for the last jedi was so fucking real and on point that I was impressed. Like I was like, if you ever do Yoda again, it's got to be this. It's got to be right. this right here. Empire Strike Back, Return of the Jedi, Yoda. Like, well, yeah, and and clearly when they went over to CG Yoda and Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith, and then when they, you know, uh, put the CG Yoda in place of the puppet Yoda and the Phantom Menace, that's clearly yeah. what they were going with. Is a right. more, you know, it's a Empire Jedi Yoda. At least I feel like that's what they were going for. Yeah. And he, then, I mean, he still he was still was younged up a little. Not a yeah. lot, but a little bit. But then, like, when you see a lot of fan art, like, there's a lot of fan art. And people do some really cool stuff with sort of a young Yoda concept where he looks kind of yeah. like a little samurai and things. Yeah, and, I've know, seen that. I know what you're talking about. And it looks cool for fan art, but I don't know how cool it would come off. In live action, you know what I mean. And the thing, there's so much. There would be so much Yoda speak, and not that there's anything wrong with that. But can you, can can the regular Joes make it through a full movie of Yoda speak? Yeah. Could Frank Oz do it? <laughs> um, you know, if if they really wanted to do a Yoda miniseries, um, I would be more in line with a you know a Yoda training a young Dooku and maybe seeing where. Dooku's the beginning of Dooku's sort of rift with the Jedi come into play you know uh, I would be yeah. okay with that because you wouldn't have to go super young with Yoda what do you got to go 60 more yeah. years that's not yeah, that yeah. you know in the in the scheme of things for a, a fucking creature that lives to be eight or nine hundred years old like that's not that big of a deal or they could do a kick-ass live action now this would be expensive but they could do a kick-ass live action Clone Wars miniseries Eight episodes of Yoda doing some shit during the Clone Wars. That shit could be dope. 
That yeah, shit could, could be real cool. <clears throat> but, you know, who knows? <clears throat> um, there's, there's definitely, I think, plenty of opportunity to take that sort of character-based miniseries that Marvel is apparently going to do and uh and apply that to star wars um but you know time will tell yeah it will like a phasma series that would be dope do you know how cool that would be a phasma series flesh out that character a little bit for us more than you know a book and two movies give gwendolyn christie some more to do (laughs) yeah she's gonna she's once again, someone who is accustomed to and, you know, seemingly enjoys working these big epic TV projects. Like, her, her time at Game of Thrones is coming to an end. Right. Mock her down for eight episodes of a Phasma miniseries. We'll watch that shit all day. Do a Beckett miniseries. <laughs> Hell yeah, give me a Beckett. Beckett and Val. Hang on, or, or like that whole, um, you know, first crew. Be- Beckett, crew yeah. Beckett, Val, and Rio. Before Solo? Hell yeah, I'd watch that. Be all over that. I mean, you could even do like Cassian and K2. That would be a cool miniseries to see. Yeah, it would. Um, Or the Teenage Adventures of Jen Erso. I mean, yeah. Was get her a whole. Get a little. Uh, Saul Guerrero time. Yeah. Or Solo time. Saul Guerrero business going in. Did you see the story where Mark Hamill said that. Billy D. Williams told him he couldn't look a royal in the eye, so he didn't look Princess Margaret in the eyes. I did see that. I saw the picture, too. I was like, that's so funny. Oh, uh, this is a couple weeks old. Did you see Billy D. Williams training in the gym? Doing no, some sparring? I did not see that. Man, he looked cool as shit. He was wearing, like, a gi. He's doing a little, like, uh, pad sparring, you know, like, where the other person has the pads on their hands. Yeah, yeah. And he's wearing his sunglasses. And I was like, damn, Billy D damn near 80 years old still looking fucking balling my dude god i'm gonna hit you in the hands but i gotta <laughs> take glasses off <laughs> getting his fitness on making fitness for episode nine yep so the other story we wanted to cover this week um came from um the hollywood reporter they had a interview with bob Iger. And it's fascinating. I, I suggest anybody that's a fan of not just Star Wars, but the Marvel side of things, check it out. Like, he kind of addresses that, like, you know, when the the Fox sale goes through, uh, the stewardship of the X-Men and all the Marvel properties that they're going to get is going to go to Kevin Feige, which that was assumed, but we didn't know for sure. Um, you know, he straight up says, I don't want there to be two separate Marvel universes, so... From that point on, you know, the guys that have had immense success with the Marvel Cinematic Universe are going to be handling those characters. But they brought up sort of the um, the whole Solo thing, right? And how... The whole Solo. You know, it maybe uh, underperformed or however the fuck you want to say it. And he says, this is what Bob Iger had to say. I made the timing decision, and as I look back, I think the mistake that I made, I take the blame, was a little too much too fast. You can expect some slowdown, but that doesn't mean we're not going to make films. 
JJ is busy making nine. We have creative entities, including Benioff and Weiss, who are developing sagas on their own, which we haven't been specific about. And we are just at the point where we're going to start making decisions about what comes next next after JJ's. But I think we're going to be a little more careful about volume and timing, and the buck stops here on that. So, basically, he's taken the hit for Solo's performance, which, A, that's, I mean, that's pretty solid of him. He's the head of Disney. He could just as easily put that off on anybody else. You know what I'm saying? But Or anything else, any other phenomenon he chose. And, and really, the thing is, at the end of the day, that's true. He like The head of Disney is who has the final say on these release decisions. Like, if, if Kathleen Kennedy came to them and was like, I want to release the new Star Wars on January 8th, they'd be like, no, <laughs> you're going to release this shit at such and such date. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and there's a lot in such a little quote to kind of unpack. He's, you know, he's a very polished interviewee. So like he doesn't give too much away. But to me what that interview says that is that in his mind the performance of Solo 100% comes down to timing. You know what he, what I mean? He says like yeah. The, the I made the timing decision. So to me that means like he and Disney as a studio feel like Solo's performance was because of the timing of it all. Um and the the quote about sw- slowing down has really set Star Wars fandom going this week. Not necessarily a bad way, but just discussing. Um, and honestly, he's not specific by what he means, so we don't know for sure. So does that mean, is he talking sl- solely, we're not going to see uh, a five-month gap between Star Wars movies anymore? Uh, is it going to be once a year only or is he talking more than that? Is he talking maybe it's two years in between Star Wars movies? Maybe they go to the old George Lucas every three years formula. I don't think so on that one. Just to be perfectly honest, I don't think there will be a three year gap anytime soon, especially with so many people, so. you know, with, with JJ I would say and, two at the most. Yeah. To me, that feels like it, what it would be at the most. I hope it's not two years. To be completely honest, I love a Star Wars movie every year. I feel like if I were them, I would stick to a Star Wars movie every December, you know? Yeah. And and honestly, if they're viewing at the viewing this whole thing with Solo as a, a timing issue, you would have to think that they looked sat down and looked and like, okay, Force Awakens came out in December twenty fifteen. Over $2 billion. Rogue One came out a year later, December 2016, over a billion dollars. The Last Jedi came out a year after that, December 2017, 1.6, 1.7, whatever it is, billion dollars. Five months after that, Solo comes out and doesn't do so good. So hopefully they're looking at that and going, okay, maybe one a year. You know, maybe one a year is what we need to do here. I mean, if it's every two years, I'm not going to complain because that's still better than what we were getting before and it's better than what I thought we were going to be getting after episode three. But I won't lie, I will be bummed 
because I'm impatient yeah. and I only have so many two year gaps left in my life. You know what I mean? I need to get as many Star Wars movies in as possible in the yeah. next 35, 40 years, however the fuck long I've got left. Maybe 50 years if I'm like super lucky and they get some like kick ass medicines going. <laughs> but yeah, who knows? <clears throat> um, it's still weird to me that we're, if you think about it, if this was the normal release schedule that they followed up until Solo, right about now is when we'd really be getting hyped for a Solo trailer, for Solo yeah. in December of this year. Like, That's true. But instead, we're really hyped about it coming out on Blu-ray next Tuesday. So, I don't know, man. Um, I don't really know. I... I've been sort of anxiously awaiting some sort of word of what's coming after episode nine. And the longer that goes, the more it makes it seem like maybe there isn't going to be something in 2020. Um, you know, if you think about it, I guess the latest, if they wanted a movie, we've talked about this, but if they wanted a movie out in December of 2020, you know, they got to start filming by like July or August next year. And how long before that would they announce a movie that they're going to start filming? I don't really know. I don't really know. <coughs> it makes me wonder, like, could they announce a Star Wars movie for 2020 at Celebration next year, and then be filming it three months later. I don't know that they could have a movie that far along and keep it a secret to hold that announcement that long. Um, makes me wonder. But, you know, all we can do is uh, sort of wait it out, see where it goes. Like, I'm not going to lie, I will be bummed if it's a two-year wait. In between Star Wars movies, I mean, I will be too, but I'll deal I want with it to it. be successful. I'll I deal do too. With it. Like if that's what it takes, if if you know, building up the hype and you know, a lot of people, you know, on the shittier side of things are like, this is ridiculous. Like Marvel movies put out a a, a movie, uh, three movies a year. Well, they didn't always. It took them a while to ramp up to that. And something I think I mentioned to you earlier was that. You know, Star Wars wasn't designed that way. They can, you know, starting now, they can build in these, you know, multiple movie arc storylines. But that's just not picking up at The Force Awakens. You know, it wasn't designed that way. Even that three movie arc still had some wiggle room for people to, you know, to maneuver. So, right, you can't well, and see this you is can't draw it out like those long stories and character development and all those individual heroes. Basically, is what because like. Marvel movies are about heroes and hero teams. Like, well, you know, you, the you thing, haven't had the chance to build that yet. Is all I'm saying. Right, and I still feel like they might have been toying with that idea with Solo. Like that Solo might have been, for lack of a better term, meant to be their Iron Man. That was the first movie that sort of built into a a big combination yeah, like, of side story movies. Right. Right. I don't know that for sure by any means, but I just kind of got a little bit of a feeling of that. The other thing you got to keep in mind with Marvel is 
you know, for the most part, they're adapting existing stories. Not, you know, word for word or beat for beat, but they have... They pick the comic book parts to fit best on a movie. Yeah, you know, they like, have a, an established story that they can pull from as a origin point for the story. You know what I mean? Star Wars doesn't do that. They're not adapting Star Wars comics or novels from the past. They're trying to come up with original stories and stuff. So I think that, honestly, makes a difference. The other thing is, is in a, like I just said, like Marvel didn't come out the gate doing a movie every year. You know, they came out with Iron Man and then sort of slowly um, built up. And it's built around beloved characters, right? Right. So you've got Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark. You've got, you know, Chris Hemsworth as Thor. You've got uh, Chris, oh, Jesus, Chris Evans as Captain America. Right. Um, you know, they... They have this, you know, magnanimous power with these characters. And that's just like, you know, Star Wars hasn't built into that yet. I, I, it looked like Solo was the first step towards that. And, and so, not. when you think about it, so Iron Man comes out in 2008. Now, a month after that, The Incredible Hulk comes out, but that doesn't really count because it wasn't made by Marvel. That was a Universal movie because Universal still owns the right to the Hulk. Yeah, and they had to they they got to make it so often to keep the rights, right? Right, and then two. Years, and that was with was that was that the um, Edward Norton Nor Edward yeah. Norton one, which is considered part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. That Hulk is. is the same Hulk that's in Avengers and Infinity War and Thor Ragnarok. That's the same character, right? Right. Then two years later, we get the next Marvel movie in two thousand and ten. Now, after that, you know, once 2011 hits, we start getting Thor, Captain America in the same year, the Avengers the next year. But, you know, it w they didn't come out of the gate doing a movie every year. And honestly, that might have been a problem for Star Wars is they, they didn't take the time to be like, you know, build into this. Like, they just hit the ground running. Really, they hit the ground running. Now... That's not to say that this was necessarily rushed. You know, Pablo Hidalgo on Twitter has said, by the time you see a movie in the theaters, that movie has had three years of work on it, you know? So, yeah. and it was, to be fair to Star Wars, like when Disney bought them in 2012, it was three years, over three years later that we got the first Star Wars movie. So they didn't just buy it in 2012 and have a star wars movie out the next year they did take right. their time to get things going and stuff so not to be too harsh on them or anything i just think i don't know i think star wars is getting its new life sea legs mm -hmm. star wars has never had unlimited funding and prolonged life as far as the eye could see it's yeah. something new to that and now it's getting its legs for that yeah and and, you know, for so long, people have viewed Marvel Comics as a variety of different things. You know what I'm saying? You can, you can read sci-fi in uh, Marvel Comics. You can read horror. You Mythology. Can read, yeah, you know. Philosophy. And all these different things. Whereas before, since we only had six movies of Star Wars, they were confined to a very... Star Wars-shaped oh box. You know what I mean? Star Wars, everything has been extrapolated from m few minor lines of dialogue. You know, like... Right, so... It's also, I think, a matter of us having to adjust with different 
genres of Star Wars film. Not not every Star Wars film necessarily has to be some epic spiritual space fantasy, you know? And I think some of those growing pains are also something that needs to be taken into effect too, where, you know... Yeah, like, you don't get the hunt slash return slash death of Luke Skywalker. I mean, that's what's going to make episode nine different. Is like, that was kind of the bait for both The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi. What's up with Luke? You know, what's going on mm-hmm. with Luke? And now that you've seen what, what happened and what went on with Luke, like, you know... You're, it's gonna, you know, I'm sure we'll be presented what the initial dilemma is, but right. Well, I'm just saying, sprawl. you know, when you look at Marvel movies, each different franchise, whether it be Iron Man, Captain America, Thor, it's it's like its own sort of sub genre that then they then combine into the big epic. Right. And so, like you were saying, there are encyclopedias on each of them, right? Already written, like, and we for Star Wars, you know, it's going to take some time for people to get, I think, like I said, used to the fact that this is not lightsabers and uh, the force and stuff. And Solo was a really good attempt at that, and it's really fun. It, it, it showed to me that I can go to the theater and see a Star Wars movie that's not about Jedi and Sith and, and epic space fantasy. Um, and really enjoy it and have a really good time. So, you know, I hope that they continue to explore that because I want both. I want the big epic space fantasy and I want smaller, more focused stories um, and stories that play around with other genres a lot. So, you know, still hopeful, still hoping that there's going to be a Star Wars movie in 2020 because I'm addicted to this once a year Star Wars stuff. You know, you give me Star Wars once every three years forever and then you're like, hey, you know how you every three years you used to have this huge event that was super fun? Why don't we do that every year? And I'm like, fuck yeah, sign me up, buddy. You want to do some emails and voice messages before we call it a night? You know it. You know it. All right, here we go. Let's, let's have our buddy Steve Adi sing us a little song. Ki-a-dee. Crashbox Kitty Cockhead Running around slaying bitches with his cockhead He's a big Surian stud He loves to split chicks with his pud Kitty Cockhead To stroke his cone and suck on his balls Kitty Cockhead What you gonna do when he comes on you now? He's a Jedi Council stooge But he'll be pumping spooge tomorrow All right. We got a voicemail from our buddy King Tom. Kick it off with. Let's hear what uh, Nostra Thomas has to say. He of the Lando Quatrain. Giving me all kinds of fucking weird notifications on my computer. Here we go. 
Hey, Haws and Will, it's King Tom. So, I got Solo at Midnight last night on digital, and I watched it, and I'm obviously really digging the movie. It's giving me a little break from The Last Jedi. Um, but, you know, like, like when it came out, I saw it in the theaters, I loved it, I love it now. I really like seeing the Han and Chewie relationship grow, and I think I mentioned before, I also really like Enfys Nest. I like the design of the character, I like the character. She's kind of a, a cool mirror to Leia in a way, like if Leia had grown up differently. Um, and I just think it's it's very interesting what they've done with her or what, how they've introduced her. And, and I'm wondering what you guys feel about her and what do you think they'll do with her next or Enfys next, I guess, if you see what I did there. Um, because, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to say. We've told a lot of the story. We've seen a lot of the story of the Galactic Civil War. And... You know, she's a player at this early stage. I'm hoping that she didn't immediately die off. Um, but, it, it, you know, it's a big conflict. Maybe she's off somewhere else in the galaxy. You know, it's a, I like the whole big galaxy thing. We don't know everything. But where would you use... Are you interested in, you, in learning more about her? But where would you use her next? Um, they do have a little snippet of her extra in the solo novel, which is pretty cool. The novelization of the movie. I, I won't spoil it for you. Um, I mean, I, I think the most obvious answer is a comic book, but at the same time, her design is so cool, I'd rather see it in something that moves, like maybe animation, or even, you know, making it clear that she have, she survived the Galactic Civil War, and having her show up in um, the Star Wars live-action show, done by old Happy Hogan right now, I can't think, John Favreau, that's it. Have her show up in Favreau's series, with or without the... Um, costume. That's what I think. I'm curious as to what you guys think about or what else you'd like to see involving the character and her cloud riders. Anyway, thanks for listening. Thanks for the great podcast and I'll talk to you guys later. Uh, dude, Emphis Nest, to me, like that's the perfect character to do a miniseries about on the streaming service. Like, I don't know about yeah. perfect. I don't know what the public interest is. I know my personal interest in the character is off the charts. I would love that. Of course. Um, Tom is probably right where we'll get an Emphis Nest novel or comic at some point. To me, the most interesting part of Emphis Nest story that I would like to see explored. So we know that Two Tubes is part of her her uh, group in Solo. And then we know by the time of Rogue One, Two Tubes is working with Saw Gerrera. So I would kind of like to see the story of Emphis Nest meeting with Saul Guerrera, how they work together, why two tubes went over. To, you, you know what I'm saying? Like sort of their interactions together, them fighting the Empire. I think that could be really cool. A Saul right. Guerrera, Emphis Nest sort of team up deal. I think that could be really neat. Um, not going to lie. I love the idea of her being in the... Uh, John Favreau show too, especially if it's Mandalorians, Mandalorians and Emphis Nest. Fuck yeah, fuck yeah. Yeah, that'd be tight. It's a bunch of badass armor in one show. You got anything you'd like to see from old Emphis? I mean, just to see what else she's doing on the planet. You know, how much more of a rebel hero she becomes, and maybe her end. Like that would be cool. She should get her own movie. I think that would be neat. <laughs> Well, a mini series. I, I mean, see, that's the thing. <laughs> you know, when you think back to 
the Disney announcement and leading up to The Force Awakens, didn't it just seem like <laughs> everything was an option? Like, every, oh, the sky's the limit. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll get a Yoda movie. We'll get a Boba Fett movie. We'll get an Obi-Wan movie. We'll get a fucking, maybe we get a Mace Window movie. Who knows? You know what I'm saying? And then Solo comes out, and Han Solo, one of arguably the most well-known, most popular Star Wars characters, his movie, yeah, it doesn't do so hot, <clears throat> comparatively. Um, and then that makes you stop and go like, whoa, maybe we don't get a Boba Fett movie. You know, if we don't get a Boba Fett movie, does that mean we get an Infus Nest movie? I don't know. But maybe doing a miniseries is less of a risk and, and has the potential to still be nice and profitable in, in some way to them. Bring in the subscriptions to that Disney streaming service. That'd be badass. I, I like the actress. I like the character design. I like the character herself. All so about do I. It. I really do. All right, we have got an email from our buddy Dave. Hey guys, I'm a relatively new listener for the last few months. Like many, I had to cut ties with the guys that introduced me to Star Wars podcasting because I just couldn't wait around anymore for them to figure out humanity. While disappointing, the silver lining is that I discovered you guys through the best damn-ass podcast network, and I'm glad that I did. You seem like some delightful dudes, and I enjoy the positive outlook on Star Wars and life in general. Anyway, I'm reaching out in response to your take on the machete order from a couple of weeks back. You remember when we talked about that, Will? Yes. Too often, machete order is maligned and misrepresented as, misrepresented as sour grapes from Fan and Menace haters. I come at this from a totally different direction. I work at a bilingual business where many of my coworkers are 10 years my junior and were raised by immigrant parents. As a result, Star Wars wasn't part of their pop culture upbringing. I had the pleasure of introducing the saga to several people over the last couple of years, and I find a modified version of Machete Order to be the smoothest transition into fandom. As the fandom grows, or the saga grows, it becomes too daunting to ask someone to watch 10 films. If you present the movies as the story of a father and a son having to make a similar choice, the Phantom Menace is not plot essential. For that matter, neither is Rogue One or Solo. The Phantom Menace is not excluded because of quality, but because the events of the film aren't integral, integral to understanding the Anakin-slash-Luke dynamic in Episode 1, and the spin-offs only serve to sidetrack that story with extra baggage. Additionally, if you can, additionally, if you can find a pre-special edition release of A New Hope and remove the Phantom Menace, you're able to maintain all of the reveals that the saga offers. Family Tree, Jabba, Yoda but also add a reveal that Palpatine is the puppet master. Plus, going from Anakin's fall straight into Luke, dressed in black, force-choking some green pigs, is pretty powerful thematically. None of this is to say that people shouldn't watch The Phantom Menace, Rogue One, or Solo, but these are best done as supplemental material after, after they've tackled the through line of the saga for the first time. If you're lucky enough to find someone who has truly no foundation in Star Wars, give it a shot. It's a fun experience to walk them through the films in this order, and at the very least, I hope I've been able to dispel the notion that the Machete fans are just Episode 1 haters. Either way, thanks for all the weekly entertainment. I saw Halls at Celebration Orlando, but didn't listen yet, so I didn't come up to say hi. I'll be sure to rectify that in Chicago. Your friend in the force, Dave in South Florida. Oh, thanks, buddy. Uh, that that's interesting. You saw me wheeling around in in, in uh, Orlando at Celebration. We're just like, hey, I know that guy. 
Or how, well, how did you know who I was if you didn't listen yet? Hmm. Fascinating. Maybe he saw you and was like, oh, that's that guy. Oh, that's that guy. Yikes. Fucking Mick Foley over here. Um, yeah, you know, I, I do this thing, you know, kind of like when I was talking about Star Wars Reddit. And someone wrote in and was like, hey, we're not all assholes. I, I don't mean to do that. I just mean, I'm just presenting these things from my personal experience. And I had that one very specific personal experience where the guy was shit-talking Phantom Menace. While he's talking about the machete order. And, and I'll say one thing. <laughs> While, you know, just off the top of my head, you know, I, I can see where you're coming from. We're saying that the story of the Phantom Menace isn't integral to the Anakin slash Luke dynamic and, and the through line of that story. I get that. The one thing I would say is by cutting out the Phantom Menace, to me, you really do a disservice to the character of Padme. Because some of her most badass moments are in the Phantom Menace. And in a lot of ways, the Phantom Menace is Padme's movie. You know? Uh, it, it's 20, 30 minutes before you even meet Anakin. At least it feels like that. It's quite a while. You know? And really, he's just a means to get them off the planet. Yeah. Um, so that would be my And then one do thing. some amazing, really ridiculous shit in a Starfighter. <laughs> to me, that's um, that's one thing I feel like does a disservice to the story because I feel like Padme is, is a very important part of the story, not just in her role as Luke and Leia's mom and as Anakin's love interest. But it's kind as, of Padme and Obi-Wan's coming of adulthood yeah. story. And and it's really um you know sort of her influence on what would become the rebellion. That's one scene that was cut out of episode 3 that I really wish had been left in there was there was a scene where like Padme, Mon Mothma and Jimmy Schmitz are all hanging out and they basically form uh the rebellion. Like the, you know, early days of the rebellion they put it together and i thought i think that would have been really cool you know yeah <laughs> you know i guess it wouldn't interface real well necessarily with what we know about the formation of the rebellion now as it has been explained in the preceding years but it still could have been pretty cool but you know i know not everybody that enjoys the machete order which i I've, I've watched it and i do think it's a fun way to watch it's just one of those things, like, I've known the story of Star Wars for so young that those reveals and stuff are awesome in the movie, but they're not, like, they. I couldn't tell you the last time I was surprised, you know? Like, I remember seeing the Phantom, or not the Phantom Menace, the em Empire Strikes Back and turning to my dad and being like, Darth Vader's lying, right? He's not really Luke's dad. And my dad, not being one to give a shit about spoilers, was like, oh, no, you find out in the next movie he's his dad. <laughs> so... <clears throat> All right, next up we have Brad. Halls, Halls and Will, you guys, you guys are doing a great job. Love the show. Halls, I'm a fan of you on Rogue One also. Love how you always seem so annoyed. Oh. <laughs> I wouldn't say I'm always annoyed on Rogue One. I would say there's a small percentage. I'd say there's a medium percentage of the time that I might be occasionally annoyed on Rogue One. 
No offense to Johnny, but I enjoyed the couple of times it was you and Mike doing the show. You two have a good flow with each other, much like you and Will. Would be interesting to hear Mike with you two on Blue Harvest. I mean, that's definitely something I would like to do. I've talked to Mike about having him come on Blue Harvest. He's a busy guy. I mean, you should know. He doesn't make it to Rogue One sometimes. Okay, enough of my ass kissing. So, my question is, if Kylo isn't redeemed in Episode 9, then he probably will be killed. So, who do you want to see do it and how? In my head, I see a lightsaber battle between Kylo and Rey on a ship in some Star Wars-looking hallway or landing bay. While Kylo is distracted with Rey, (laughs) Chewie is slowly creeping closer to him in the shadows and chilled at just the right time that he can blindside Kylo, knocking his cyber away. Then Chewie proceeds with ripping Kylo's rim from his body and avenging his buddy Han's death. (laughs) Thanks, guys. Brad. Whoa. (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) That was intense. Dude. I feel like I need a cigarette. Uh, Buddy. I don't I don't know that it's going to go that way. Um To me these well, are known to pull people's arms out of their sockets. <laughs> I mean that is true. Um and that would be a brutal way for and then like Ray is just screaming in horror like Chewie you completely eviscerated him. Chewie's all covered in blood and stuff. I'm saying it right now I hope they don't kill Chewie in episode 9. No, Chewie's got to go on. To me, it would be a mistake. Because regardless of what anybody says, there's going to be an episode 10 someday. You know? And why kill off the only character that you don't have to worry about casting? You know what I mean? Like anybody can that's tall enough and, and can fill out that suit can be Chewie. So there's no reason to kill him off. You know? You don't have to worry about... Not getting the actor back to play Chewie in a few years when you want to do episode 10. Um, to me, there's a puzzle with the end of episode 9. And I could be wrong. It's happened many times before. But I feel like the end resolution of 9 includes some sort of redemption for Kylo and also a death for Kylo. You know what I mean? I, and I feel like it will be through some sort of means of self-sacrifice. I say it all the time. But the question for me is, how do you do that and not make it seem like Vader 2.0? You know? Yeah. There's there's a puzzle there that much smarter and more talented people you know, have been tasked to write. It's written. They're filming it now. So that is a, a good question. I just just don't think Kylo makes it through. I don't think he makes it through episode nine. I don't think so either. But I also don't think he's 100% unredeemable. I'm always going to hold a grudge against the dude for killing Han Solo. That's always going to be a dick move to him. Also don't like how he talks to Rey uh, after the... Or Luke. I don't like... Yeah. So... Yeah, um, and Ray, he, yeah, that shit with Ray is unacceptable. He's bad boyfriend material. It just, uh, you know, that whole you're not special to anyone. I don't like you're it. Special to me. The first time I saw it in the theaters, I was like, well, "You have got some balls on you, Mister." I was How like, "Dare you talk you, to dude. her like that? That ain't she nice." She is special. Jesus. Um. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know how you do that and then don't 
make it just but you know almost there's almost sort of a beautiful thematic poetry it's all poetry it rhymes in having a character like kylo who looks up to vader so much you know but what if at the end of the day his greatest accomplishment is being like vader but in the way that he is redeemed and sacrifices himself for the greater good of the galaxy there's some power behind that idea don't you think like I mean, yeah, lots of power. Like, I think that's a solid idea. Not that they're necessarily going to go that way, but I think there's a, like a, a, and it's very, it's George Lucas as fuck with his, his it's all of poetry, it rhymes, you know? Like, I, I can see some, <clears throat> some merit behind that idea. So, I don't know. We don't have that long. A year and three months? Yeah. It seems like an awfully long time, but it's not that long before we get to find out. What do you think about Kylo? How do you think he's going to go out? I mean, just like you and I, I mean, like we were just talking, I don't think he's redeemed unless he gives himself to save another, you know, Ray, Ray and the crew probably. Yeah. Or Chewie, you know, I don't know. I don't think Chewie's vindictive enough to try to get his, unless he's still trying to kill Ray. Chewie would snap his neck in a heartbeat if he was trying to kill Ray. And that would be an appropriate way for him to go out. It would be poetic. I mean, it would suck if he didn't go out, if he doesn't, if he's not redeemed. Because you want to believe that the last Skywalker, every Skywalker has had redemption. You know, really, yeah. like, Luke redeemed himself through his interaction with For sure. Kylo and Rey. You know. Yeah, absolutely. Redemption is the Skywalker story. <clears throat> All right. Uh, last up for the evening, we've got our buddy Utah Dougie. Halls and Will. In episode 8, when Ray, or Kylo and Ray are force Skyping, he says something like, You couldn't be doing this. The effort alone would kill you. Is he referencing the power of projection that Luke uses? Does he know that force power exists? Love the podcast, Utah Dougie. Uh, yeah. I think... Yeah, it's pretty clear that he does. I think that is some straight-up foreshadowing to what's going on with Luke later, you know? Like, I think that's exactly what that mo- that line is meant for. It's a line that, you know, I didn't even really pick up the first time on the second viewing. I was like, oh! Yeah, I, I told you that, and you were like, did he really say that? Yeah. Yeah, so, like, I think that's definitely the intent of it. And, you know, um, it's interesting... When you think about sort of like, yeah, how would he know that? I mean, he did train with Luke for a while. So he ha- obviously he knows, knows that power exists. But then it makes you wonder, like, how why did it take him so long to pick up on that's what was going on with Luke on Crate, right? And you could really use anything. He was blinded by his rage. Exactly. That's, on, that's the explanation I would use if someone asked me that question. I'd be like, dude, was fucking, did you see him? He was like, blow that piece of junk out of the sky. And then like, had a bunch of AT-ATs blow Every the shit out. Every gun I have fire on that man. Yeah, so like. And he's like, did you think you got him? Yeah, <laughs> I, think, I think you got him. Um, And then, you know. 
I believe Dave Filoni, when talking about the whole Force ghost and becoming one with the Force thing, has sort of said that the way he sees it is Vader is aware that such a thing is possible. He's just not, he doesn't know how to do it. You know? Like he, because of the stuff that goes on at Mortis, because of the shit with Obi-Wan saying, strike me down and I'll become more powerful than you can possibly imagine, and then he disappears... You know, he knows there's something that you can accomplish through some connection to the Force, but he just doesn't necessarily know how to accomplish that. And I think you could even go with that explanation with uh, with Kylo and the Force projecting. You know, like, yeah, I know it's possible. I don't know how to do it, but I know it's a thing that can be done. And I know that it's... Uh, Something that uh, the power, you know, using that power can kill you because it's so advanced or powerful. I don't know. <clears throat> but, I don't know. I, You know, it's one definitely something that I think um, is a really cool part of The Last Jedi. That is that little bit of foreshadowing that leads into that. Like, I don't know. And, you know, things are subjective, but to me, little things like that are kind of why I think The Last Jedi is good and is well-written. So there's little hints of how this all makes sense and, and you know, comes together. You just got to sort of stick it out and pay attention. Think about it. Right. Try it out. <laughs> well, that's going to do it for this week. Thanks for recording with me, buddy. Dude, thanks for having me on. Oh, yeah. Um... If you like our theme song, please be sure to check out the band that was kind to kind enough to provide the music. They're Stoned Cobra. You can find them on iTunes, Spotify, and at stonedcobra.bandcamp.com. Oh, speaking of Spotify, we're on Spotify now. So if you like to listen to podcasts on Spotify, check us out. Um, just search for Blue Harvest, a Star Wars podcast. We'll come right up. Um, we have a Tee Public store, tpublic.com slash user slash Blue Harvest podcast you have a chance and haven't done so already leave us a nice five star review we really appreciate it and it helps us out a ton um and we'll see we'll see where this week and next week takes us maybe we'll have something cool and exciting to talk about maybe we'll be talking about superheroes dicks who knows but until then this has been blue harvest and i'm halls burkhart and i'm will witten may the force be with you may the force be with all of you May the force be with us.